Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. We left off last time with that question. Uh, we're, we're discussing the kingdom of God still, but we left off last time with a question of why did God give the law? Why was the law added? And I hope you uh, had a chance to ask a couple of people. If not, that's okay. We will uh, we'll continue on anyway. And... Uh, the simple answer is, um, and we touched on this a little bit when we were discussing the law of sin and death. The, um, we, we, I gave a brief illustration. It's an illustration that I don't think there's a day that I don't think of it. Uh, it's just brilliant. I've just never heard a better, I've never heard a better example of it. <clears throat> and that was, um, when we talked about a, a glass, which appeared to, a, to contain a substance, you know, for all, for all of, uh, you know, someone handed it to us and said it's water. We, we, we would have no reason to, it looked like water, odorless like water. And then we had something we knew had been scientifically tested to be a sugar cube. We added the two together and, uh, took it, stirred it up, took a drink and it was horrible. And, uh, what, what that's going to tell you is, uh, what you thought was water obviously was not water. And man, um, not knowing his condition, not knowing the depth of his fall, uh, still don't, uh, people still don't today, very common in the church, um, the depth of the fall. You can't really understand the greatness um, of Christ's gift and the abounding grace and the free gift of righteousness. You can't fully understand it until you really have an awareness of what you're redeemed from. And redeemed from in the aspect of darkness within us, but also the depth of rebellion against the actual light. So like, like I've said, man wasn't just his, his challenge isn't just that he's, he's bound in darkness. He's bound in chains of darkness, but I'll add to that the fact that he hates the light. He hates the light. Uh, if anyone's ever seen an animal or something like that, where it's in darkness, a night animal, uh, and then all of a sudden the lights come on, those animals, um, I used to see this when I was a kid. I grew up, I grew up in a large city, but I used to spend uh, virtually every weekend on a farm. And of course we were young and my brother and I, and we would love to go down to the barn with our uncles and, uh, they would, uh, have their evening chores, uh, that they had to do things that, you know, one of them was a dairy farmer. And one thing about dairy farmers, you're going to have a lot of feral cats around <laughs> when there's, when there's, a, when there's a lot of milk to be had, you're going to find yourself, um, with a lot of feral cats. And they actually love the feral cats because, um, they kept the mouse population down, but, uh, we'd go down there and you know, he'd have a basic light outside the barn and, and you'd go inside and he'd hit a switch and the place would light up 
and you'd see all these cats just just phew, scatter just feral cats i used to try to catch one all the time my uncle warned me he said you don't want to catch one but uh he would he would say it with a chuckle because he also knew you never would it's impossible um but they so they they didn't like the light like they would be out hunting or whatever but when something came around it startled them and scared them and off they would go and you see that with man's condition man is not just bound in sin but he hates the light he doesn't just he doesn't just uh he's just not that he's unaware just simply unaware of his condition but he he when you show him his condition he hates it uh, very much so when god comes on the scene when that light comes on the scene god revealing himself man rejects it very aggressively and very and instantly um so back to the question we had here why did god give the law uh, god gave man the law uh to reveal that he wasn't water in our analogy the sugar cubes the the law and you add it into man and man would it get better you'd have a glass of sweet liquid you would just take this liquid and you thought it was water put in a sugar cube stir it up and now you've got a sweet glass of water well no Man doesn't get worse when you add the law. He gets, he gets, or man doesn't get better when you add the law. He gets worse, not just worse. He gets far worse. And the children of Israel, when they answered and replied to the Lord or to Moses and said, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do. That's because they thought they were pure. They thought they were clean. They thought they could. And the idea that you think you could is a representation of their lack of self-awareness. And that self-aware, lack of self-awareness continues today. You'd be surprised how many Christians uh, make the same mistake today. They think because you've received a new uh, spirit inside of you that God's taken out the, the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh, you think, okay, well, now with the Bible and prayer and the, you know the knowledge that God loves me and a new spirit inside of me, I can keep the law. Nope. You cannot keep the law. And um, maybe when we get uh, deeper into walking in holiness, we'll plunge deeper into why you can't keep the law. There's very, um, I don't want to use the word mechanical, but it's like that. There's, there's uh there's an, you know, if you, th if you think of a big engine or you think of something, you know, there's an application of certain things that if they're not, if it's not done correctly, it will not work. And the Christian life in a lot of ways is like that. It's very, there's a mechanics to it. There's things at play that are outside of yourself. You can't control it. It's different. It's not like, it's not like when you make a decision that you're going to live right, you know, that you're going to live right for God, that you know, that's just all that's required and that willpower is all, you know, if you keep your will focused, then you'll accomplish it. Your will was, first of all, it's not for that. It has no power. That's a term. Its power begins and ends with the decision. Will, it gives you an, it's like the start key. It's like turning the key in a car. It starts the engine. That's it though. It doesn't have any power. It just starts it. You make a decision with your will. And from that point on, you need a, you need a power source to continue. Anyone who's ever tried to drop 20 pounds knows exactly what I mean. <laughs> the decision happens very easily. <laughs> you can see, uh, 
you know, you can see that the spring's coming and the summer's coming and you're going to get active and you can get outside and exercise some more. So you're going to get a, you're going to get a head start on it. So a month before summer, you decide, or two months before summer, you decide you're going to, you know, you're going to shed a couple of pounds and uh, be ready for uh, the warm weather when it shows up. Uh, that decision right there, that's the, the beginning, middle and end of your will. And it doesn't mean that it, uh, it it ceases from that point. It just means that it is a very little benefit to you. What happens is uh, your body and and uh, circumstances situate. Because what you forgot about was the uh, was the big uh, anniversary party that's coming up. And uh, you know you also for you hadn't really factored in what you're going to eat at work for lunch. And there's all kinds of all kinds of externals that come in and um, and undermine your intention. When you desire to live a holy life, it's far worse than that because you have, first of all, an Adamic nature that's still very much alive, very much active in your mind, will, and emotions and your physical body. And uh, you're coupled with the fact that you're in an environment of the law of sin and death, which uh, will be activated against you in a great manner of measure the second you decide to live anyway according to the Word of God. Uh, and that's going to be presto changeo. And anyone who's ever tried to lose 20 pounds is uh, usually you run into them six, eight months later, they've gained 10 on top of the 20 they intended to lose. They lost 20 and gained back 30. And the law of sin and death is very much like that. In the, in the moral realm, your intentions to live a pure life will be massively undermined by what we're going to talk about today. There's, uh, this is one component of it. But it's very real. It's very real. Uh, it's predictable. It is as predictable as you could ever imagine. It's so predictable. This is why God did it. In the first place, because the very the very rule by which or the very process by which God chose to reveal to man his in his inability to live in accordance with his will, with accordance in accordance with his law, his directives, his ordinances, his commands, is the very reason that you today, as a believer, even though you have a brand new spirit inside of you, will fail as well. Because that law increases sin that is hard that is hard because we attribute god with goodness and by attributing god with goodness we say why would god give them give man the law so that sin would abound the reason is very simple it's complex and in one aspect but it's very simple i can state it very simply because love and mercy is to reveal to something its true nature and condition. The unmerciful will not point out an area that you need help in. An area that you're unaware of. And there's no possibility of man ever desiring or needing or looking for a savior if he didn't know he needed one. You know, you're sitting at your house and all of a sudden, ding dong, there's a, you know, someone at the door, you go to the door and you look out and there's two hook and ladder fire trucks in the road in front of your house. And you've got guys standing at the door with uh, full firemen 
apparel on, holding axes, and they say, get out, get out, get out. Um, why? Even with all that apparatus outside of your house, you wouldn't leave your house unless you perceived that there was a threat inside of it. You'd say, well, there's no fire. Well, yeah, no, we just got a phone call. There's a, there's a fire at this location. Well, there's no fire. My wife and I are just sitting here watching TV. Oh. Well, can we come in and have a look around? Yeah, sure. You can come on in and have a look around. And the fire truck there, all the apparatus there, firemen walking through your house is not going to motivate you to leave. <clears throat> it won't motivate you to leave at all. Okay? So it's a beautiful sunny day outside and there's no fire in the house. All the fire apparatus and fire truck, hook and ladders, the whole thing, everything is there. And you won't even step outside your front door because you don't perceive a threat. Flash to another scenario. It's the middle of the night. You wake up and fire smoke alarms going off in your house and you hear sirens in the distance and you're trying to assess what's going on. Realize you can't leave your bedroom. Next thing you know, there's a, a guy with an ax standing outside of your window the second story on a ladder and holding an ear tell him smash the window get me out <laughs> right you're climbing out there you're climbing you're climbing out there and your bare feet and 40 below weather and shuffling down this ladder in the dark because you know there's a threat the perception of a threat will will greatly decision will greatly uh, affect the decision you make, and it's the same thing. God God has a people, and they think they're good. How do you know they think they're good? Because they said all the Lord has commanded, we will do. By saying all that the Lord Lord has commanded, we will do, is the same thing as saying we can do it. They didn't know their condition. They didn't know their fallen state. They didn't know how far they had fallen. They had never been in the presence of God or heard his commands and directions so they couldn't know how far they were from being able to accomplish it. And so adding the law of God, they were so far that by giving them the law, sin sin abounded. See, you would think that God gave them the law so that they would know how to live and that they would be able to improve, to, you know, develop a society based on that, move forward confidently with the knowledge of the word of God. That's not what happened at all. What happened was they became worse, worse. And if you're a Christian and you've got some sin, personal sins or whatever's, and you want to get closer to God and you decide that you're going to put discipline into your life and you're going to read the Bible and you're going to avoid contact with certain things or certain people or go in certain places, whatever the case, doesn't matter. You're going to find like that person who wanted to lose 20 pounds, you run into them a little while later and they've gained back the 20, they lose the 20, gain back the 20 and plus 10 more. You'll end up worse. The latter state will be greater than the former. You will be darker 
than you ever could imagine. You'll fall into sin and be trapped in sin, wondering why is God not helping me? And he's not helping you because like the sun in the sky, it's a constant. He can't change. He is what he is. Our relationship, our response to it is what matters. And he has given us the response to it. He's shown us how to walk in victory. Walk in, walking in victory, I said it, read it to you in that same verse. Those who receive the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace shall reign in life. You are to reign as an overcomer in this life. You take that law, whatever that law is, and base that desire on pleasing God, moving towards him, and you're going to find that you're going to have all manner of evil in your life. Okay, that's vital. So I want to I want to give you a real world. Now, some might say that this affects the saved or just the unsaved. No, it affects every single every single person. And it affects every single person because the Adamic nature is in every single person. The difference is the believer has a brand new spirit inside of him. And that new spirit, if you will, is like the portal, the power cord, the connectedness between you and God. The Holy Spirit is in you and he can enforce, he can, he can empower, he can, he can energize, transmit and reveal the victory flow, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ through you overriding the Adamic nature that's still in your mind, will, and emotions, and a body that craves le- uh, pleasure and ease. Okay, but we've received, we've received the fullness of our victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we've not yet received the fullness of our inheritance in time because we still live in these bodies. We st- we're waiting for the full redemption. Okay, we're waiting for that full redemption. I want to give you a real, uh, in the time that we have left, I want to give you a real life example of just what it is um, that I'm talking about. Uh, Paul, he says here, this is pretty lengthy. I don't know if I'm going to read all of that. I'm just going to read the beginning uh, in Romans. You find this in Romans chapter 7, verse 7. I'm not sure how far I'll go down here. But it says, um, Paul is speaking, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? So see, this is the this is the area that you're going to talk about or that you're going to see that the question, we're going to keep it on the simple analogy of a, of a sugar cube and a glass of liquid that appears to be water. We have no reason to believe it isn't water, but we have no facts or proof that it is. It's a clear, odorless liquid in a cup, Okay. So we're still working with that analogy because it's easy to understand. And he says, so what shall we say then? This is Paul. Is the law sin? So now he's saying, is there something, was there something wrong with the sugar cube? Because the thinking was, you know, well, I added the sugar cube to the water and it tasted horrible. Well, if the, if the scientific uh, proof is that the sugar cube was in fact a sugar cube, then that, then that argument doesn't hold up. And we know the law, we're going to get to that, I think it's in here. We know the law was righteous and good, righteous, holy, and good. So the problem isn't on the side of the law. But when you add the law to man, man gets worse. So it appears to be, well, the law making them worse. 
But what the law does is it's revealing the rebellion that's inside man. Okay. There's a reaction from it. There's a reaction from the, the Adamic nature in the mind, will, and emotions of a man, even a saved man. Now, these people were fallen. They weren't even saved yet. Can you imagine that? It was even worse. I don't like to say that because it's, it's, I've seen it being pretty bad in Christians too. But uh, So here Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? And then he says, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. See, But sin, this is important, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupience, evil. Okay? For without the law, sin was dead. I'm going to break this down for us. But, and he says, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto, unto death. For sin, this is important, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Okay, so Paul is saying there's no way a human being could ever know that they were sinful. They're just they're just so picture the children of Israel in the world. They're just there. They're living their lives. They're based upon 400 years enslaved. They saw a society the Egyptian society, but they've had no personal interaction or connection with what you would term righteousness or God's righteousness. So they don't know they're bad. They have no idea of their condition. They're not aware of their condition at all. Now, all of a sudden, the law comes, and there's this reaction from it. The law is the, the law creates a reaction, and the reaction comes from two places. It comes from the Adamic nature within them, and it comes from the law of sin and death around them. Okay? You're trying to introduce, God is introducing the light into these people, into their society, into their minds and hearts. And what it finds is not, it doesn't encounter just a darkness, but it encounters a darkness. It's once us trying to slam the door on that light, just trying to stop it. And it results in greater darkness. Because it's a darkness that's just not willing to obey, but it's a darkness that's bound in rebellion against. Okay? So it doesn't just push against it. Or I mean, it doesn't just doesn't, it's not just that it doesn't want it. It wants to slam the door on it. And by so doing, actually magnify itself. It, it create a, you ever been, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're younger, playing whatever, just wrestling. I used to wrestle with my brother and you'd be at a point where you, you've done something and you're like, ah, and you're running down the hall or he's running down the hall next time, whatever the case is. And they go into a door and they're on the other side of the door trying to hold it shut. Right. <laughs> and there's no lock on the door. It's just a bedroom door or whatever. 
and they're trying to hold it shut. Now all of a sudden you get to and you're pushing on the door and you you kind of seem to get a little bit of uh, you seem to try to get a little bit of uh, you know leverage going, and all of a sudden he, he he finds better footing or whatever, and he pushes the door back against you even harder. And there's this push and pull and push and pull and push. And <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens, and it's un and and people are unaware of it. They're not even aware of it. It's so natural to them. They're not aware of the fact that they're darkness. They're not aware of the fact that this evil is still in them, even if you're a believer. And the idea, it's commonly said, you have two natures. The Christian does not have two natures. The Christian doesn't have two natures. The Christian had entirely the nature of God, of Adam. He had, the non-believer has a spirit, a mind, will, and emotions in a body that are of Adam and it's all dark. It's all rebellion against God. The believer, the heart is taken out and you're given a brand new spirit inside of you, but that brand new spirit is still inside a, inside a vessel of a body that has the mind, will, and emotions of Adam still. Okay. And there's where the struggle comes. So the non-believer, they're bound in sin. They love it. They relish in it. And whenever anything comes running down the doorway trying to get into the room, they just push back against it with all of their might. Okay? They hate it. Man loved the dark. Man hated the light because his deeds were evil. Okay? They hate it. Jesus came as the full expression of that light. And uh, as soon as he revealed what his purpose, mission, and what, as soon as he spoke those words <laughs> out of the book of Isaiah in his hometown of Nazareth, you see immediate reaction from them. They grabbed him, take him to the, now there was a, the, it was a combination of things, but you see immediate reaction to put him to death. And death was following him everywhere he went from that point on. Okay. Because answering the question, when you add the law of God to man, Man does not get better. He gets worse. He gets much worse. And he gets much worse quickly. Okay. Uh, we're going to pick it up right here. I uh, didn't get as far through as I'd hoped, but that's fine. This is good. Um, I want to, I want it to be, I want it to be as full and as rich for you as it can be. Um, but I want to thank you for joining me on his light and life. We're still working on the kingdom of God. And more importantly, we're moving to the we're moving into the arrange uh, to the situation. Uh, how do you cooperate with that kingdom and walk in that kingdom as an ambassador of God in the earth in His outpost here, behind enemy lines in the realm of darkness? We reign, we rule, we are victorious because Jesus has won the battle one hundred percent. Okay, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.